This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. This episode of This Week in HPC is brought to you by DDN, delivering faster insights with flexible storage solutions. DDN, intelligent infrastructure for a changing world. Visit ddn.com. The next generation of weather supercomputers. New systems planned for U.S. and U.K. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with HPC Wire. I'm Addison Snell with Intersect 360 Research, joined again by Tiffany Trader, editor at HPC Wire. And Tiffany, this week in HPC, we're going to keep talking about weather. We previously had a big system announcement with ECMWF in Europe. And that's followed up now by announcements in the U.K. and the U.S. Let's start with big news of a new supercomputer planned for NOAA. That's right. So a couple of weeks ago, both the U.S. and the U.K. came out with big announcements of um, some major investments that they'll, they'll be putting into their weather forecasting systems. And on the U.S. side, with NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, they announced plans for a major refresh of their operational weather and fo- weather forecasting supercomputers. It's part of an eight to ten year $505.2 million contract uh, set into two two periods. Um, and the, 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 over the first five years, uh, for the first five years, they will be securing two HPE Cray Shasta systems, and they will be fielded later this year and put into production in early 2022. And those systems will each have a peak performance of 12 petaflops, and that will uh, provide a tripling of operational capacity, and it will bring NOAA's total aggregate operational plus research capacity up to 40 petabytes. Yeah, and as there often is with a lot of these announcements, there's a lot to digest here. First of all, $505 million is a big price tag. Now, that's not all for the system itself. This is through a federal systems integrator, which previously was uh, NOAA was served by CSRA. CSRA was acquired by General Dynamics. So this is now a GTIT or General Dynamics information technology contract. And then General Dynamics GD manages these systems for NOAA. So part of that is is essentially overhead and services for General Dynamics. But still, it's another huge win for Cray, which has just been on a roll with major supercomputers. Right. So here are two more Cray Cray Shasta system announcements. These are going to uh, be outfitted entirely with the 64-core Epic ROM. So we're not seeing any, any GPUs here. And the two systems are identical. Each system will... Be, uh, could be comprised of 2,560 nodes housed in 10 racks. Uh, the nodes are connected with a Cray Slingshot network. And then the, the total system memory per machine is 1.3 petabytes. And then on the storage side, we have Cray's cluster store systems providing 26 petabytes of storage per site which leads into the next change that we see at NOAA, which is that their production system since uh, previously they were, they were actually with, with IBM, and we can say a little bit more about that in a second, but their previous contract was under IBM before they're moving to GDIT, General Dynamics IT. Um, so they are, they're now switching from GPFS Spectrum Scale that they've been on for about two decades. Now they're moving over to Luster because that's what the integrator uh, decided to go with based on the requirements set out that went, that, that went into the bid. 
Yeah, and this is really highlighting what I think is the most interesting of all the transitions in this contract. And just as I said, Cray has been on a major winning streak in this space. This is another big loss for IBM. IBM's been on a losing streak in this space, and uh, this represents another big loss. We've seen IBM really falling back in the HPC space overall, and this transition from uh, GPFS over to Luster, I think, is noteworthy. And when HPE acquired Cray, we commented on this podcast that Cluster Store might be one of the most interesting diamonds in the rough within Cray, that we could start seeing a lot more uh, very notable Cluster Store implementations, not only within uh, the traditional confines of HPC, but out into high-performance enterprise as well. So I, I do think that is notable. Now, also, right on the coattails of this, Noah also announced a, a new AI strategy, and you've got that covered in a separate article on HPC Wire. Our listeners can go to HPC Wire for details. This main article that you wrote is about the systems themselves, but then there's a separate article by John Russell talking about this aggressive new AI strategy from Noah. Yeah, that's right. So they have several uh, objectives in the in that announcement of this aggressive AI strategy, and one of the one of the targets there with bringing in AI is something that we continue to see, which is is uh, the you know combining the, the AI and the HPC together. In this case, using AI, AI to improve the physical parameterization for the weather, ocean, ice modeling, and improving the computational performance of the numerical models as well as as well as several other goals that you can read about in that in that article. Yeah, this is an area I just wanted to make sure we get to specifically, not just because there's an article on it there on HPC Wire, but this is an area where I really do think we're going to start seeing a lot of AI augmented HPC in this space because weather simulation and long-term climate modeling are both so complex. I think that doing exact modeling, exact calculations, eventually just through the butterfly effect, these things start flying out of balance. And if we can use AI with reduced precision in other areas to start saying, well, things usually behave this way and use AI to guide the modeling, I think in the long run, we're going to be looking back at this and seeing here's a transition point where we started to consolidate AI and HPC into uh, both uh, specific weather modeling and long-term climate modeling. Right. It'll be interesting to see how they implement and integrate that into their workflow. Uh, but we we also know that they've continued as they continue to make upgrades on the hardware side. They've been making advancements on in their in their models as well. And we when we we spoke with the folks there, they they let us know that these upgrades are targeting uh, three separate areas for model improvements, which include resolution and complexity, and then also the size of the ensembles. Uh, and, and increasing that will increase the level of confidence in, in the numerical guidance, and all of these elements will be improved um, when they move on to the system. And then also last summer, NOAA upgraded, it upgraded its deterministic global forecast system. They made a big upgrade there, and their next big upgrade uh, will be to the ensemble system. So all these elements are coming together and to increase you know, the, the, the state of leadership in, in the U.S. Uh, and the announcement that came out from NOAA, they – um, their official announcement, they banged the drum a little bit, emphasizing that this was a move to regain their footing and, and keep the keep them uh, U.S. competitive. Um, you know, and then this that comes in the context, of course, that I think a lot of our our listeners will will know that um, you know the U.S. forecasting capabilities have slipped at times, at periods over over you know the last decade or so, and have had to play have had to play catch up. Uh, there was um, some some missteps with uh, with 
with Sandy and, and Hart, uh, predicting Sandy and Harvey uh, that, that um, we saw. So, um, you know, that, that that comes into play. But in speaking with the team of NOAA, they really took a, the really they they took a scientific perspective and and they really look at all of this as kind of a, a collaborative effort you know saying that like certainly it's important to be on par with all of the leading centers but that they work across um a, 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 they work across you know the ocean with all these other centers and they don't really see themselves as in like a, a fierce battle or competition the way that it can sometimes be portrayed in the media and and then even even sometimes in their own media, you know, owing to the, the various stakeholder goals and the messaging messaging that they're going for. So I thought that was a really important uh, point, um, you know, one that we make a lot in, in HPC circles when we go to events. You know, you see a group of scientists in a room, rarely they care about national interests. You know, they're excited about the science and to be solving problems. Well, and in fact, for the last three and a half years, roughly, uh, as we've reported on this podcast, NOAA, for part of the time, was even worried about its existence uh, with the current uh, political administration and President Donald Trump's original promises to drain the swamp. I think there were a lot of questions around how different agencies would survive. NOAA is, of course, still critical to weather simulation in the United States, and it's nice to see uh, this upgrade that's really going to keep them very active on a global scale with regard to these types of capabilities. Now, Comparing that with some of the other news that we've got, we previously reported about the uh, new system at ECMWF in Europe. And if you think this week in HPC with over $500 million for NOAA was a big story, last week in HPC, in a story we didn't get a chance to cover, the UK announced 1.2 billion pounds, which is about $1.5 billion, over $1.5 billion for its weather simulation capabilities at the Met Office. Right, so that... That um, is on track. This big system that they've they've um, announced. That we don't know who the supplier is yet, uh, but they've announced that um, they will be rolling that out, and that that uh, the system, the government intends to spend on the system, just on the system alone, uh, 854 million pounds, which comes out to about 1.1 billion dollars on on just the contract for the supercomputer. Uh, like I said, the supplier hasn't been announced. I believe the RFP is still out on that. What we do know, the new system will be managed by the UK's Met Office, and it will re replace the, its existing supercomputing capabilities, and that will um, be going in, uh, in from over the 10-year period from 2022 to 20, 2022 to 2032 um, is the contract period. And the, they anticipate that just for the first new phase that they will be boosting their computing capacity by 6x. And then there will be an additional threefold increase on the back half of that 10 year period. With that previous ECMWF announcement a few weeks ago going to Atos for Bull Sequana Systems and this more recent NOAA one going to Cray, I'm sure all eyes will be on this major procurement in the UK to see who the system vendor will be on this. Meanwhile, uh, this wasn't the only announcement that came uh, as part of this. There was sort of a, a string of announcements that were batched together, and, and some of them that were smaller were still noteworthy, including an announcement about an upgrade to the Isambard ARM-based system. So as you said, there were a lot of moving parts to this, this big, massive announcement that the UK made uh, on the actually U.S. federal holiday on President's Day. And we just covered the, the big piece of it, but there were also these um, tier two systems that were announced. And part of that was a major upgrade to the, the UK ARM system, Isambard, 
which is hosted at the Met Office, but it's a project that's led by the GW4 Alliance, which is, includes the universities of Bath, Bristol, Cardiff, and Exeter. Uh, so they have um, HPA Cray, so the Isenbart is an HPA Cray Thunder X2 based machine, and they're doubling that system. So they're they're doubling it to 336 nodes. And the partners also announced a Cray Fujitsu A64FX partition, which is interesting. So uh, Isenbart, of course, was the first ARM-based supercomputer in the world to go into production use. Uh, shout out to Simon McIntosh Smith. Um, who is the lead on that project, and he was one of our HPC Wire people to watch for 2019. Um, Isenbar 2, this this machine that's doubling in size, uh, the, the Cray Fujitsu partition, uh, that A64FX system will be one of the, the first ones, um, of one of the first ones of those to go in production. Uh, there's a, I think they're the fifth customer to be announced. I'm glad you mentioned Simon McIntosh Smith in regards to that Eisenbard system. He's been one of the greatest advocates for ARM technology out in the market and uh, and has done excellent work on his team benchmarking HPC applications of different types, different workloads on ARM systems. And I think it's been critical to the development of these technologies for companies like uh, not just Cavium, but Fujitsu now with the A64FX and that's being carried by Cray. Uh, we might start seeing a little more momentum for these ARM systems in HPC, although I don't project that that will have the same kind of momentum that we see with, say, AMD, which has the advantage of still operating within an x86 envelope. The ARM systems, it's not that people don't like them, but there's a lot more of a software hurdle to get over when you're talking about changing microarchitectures and going from x86 to ARM, regardless of performance, you have to be convinced you're going to get substantially more performance in order to undertake that software effort. Yeah, that's right. Um, and just circle back, you know, you mentioned that there's the, 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 the secondary system announcements that were made. That was part of a $26 million funding round made by the UK government. And in addition to uh, the GW4 site, um, with Isenbard too, uh, the other the there's six more six other sites as well. So um, that are getting HPC upgrades, and those include University College London, Queen's University Belfast, and Ulster University, University of Oxford, Edinburgh, the uh, Parallel Computing Centre there, and Durham University as part of the N8 Research Partnership and the University of Cambridge. So all those will be getting upgrades as well. A lot of great news, and especially in the weather domain within the HPC industry, where we're seeing a lot of developments through the month of February as we head into March next week in HPC. I'm going to be in Houston for the Rice Oil and Gas Conference, and I think you'll be there as well. Is that right? Yes, I will see you there. I look forward to it. And we'll have a recap on those of our on our next podcast episode. Thanks again, Tiffany, for wrapping up the news with these major announcements this week in HPC, and thanks to you for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.